0: guys. Spring quarter is well on its way and it is almost summer. Welcome back to Influx, a place where you can engage with flux at your own time. We are continuing with our new format, which means that we will announce our events at the end of the podcast. But for now, let's get right into the main event. And this week we have two guests.
1: Hello, my name is Dean Collins and I'm a fashion design student.
2: Hi, my name is Edie Alvarado, and I'm a UX and spatial experience designer.
0: We sat down with both Edie and Dean to talk about a lot of things. Being seniors in UX and fashion design right now, we got the chance to talk about their current transition into the real world while also reflecting on their life here at SCAD. We also talked about robots taking over the world, the overlap between UX and fashion, and fashion and UX, and hearing their different perspectives on design trends and also technology in general. We even discussed who will win in a gladiator fight between me and Nico. So it was a blast and let's get right into it.
3: I guess, you already did this a little bit, but give us a short introduction about yourselves. Maybe Edie, a little bit about you. Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, let's think. What is there about me? I'm a senior in UX at SCAD. Um, I started in UX last year, got a late start to my program. And since then, I've been really into spatial design, like I said earlier. So I plan to design airports and doctor's offices and any spaces where users have really, really high uh, high touch points with, like, low customer service. And that's kind of what I want to do with my life. Cool. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Um, I'm Dean Collins. I am a senior fashion design student. Um, and I am planning to do a graduate program next year that's online. And Mm. through the University of Architecture, Civil Engineering, and Geodesy in Bulgaria. And that is for computational design. So steering a little bit away from fashion, but hopefully it'll lead to some cool
4: stuff. That sounds so cool. (laughs) What what exactly is computational design? Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) ask. Computational
1: design is, as I understand it, I don't think I even have the best understanding of what it is, but... Essentially, it's using, like, um, softwares like Rhino and Grasshopper and Maya and essentially using, like, um, programming and, like, creating algorithms through that to generate a design. So you sort of create this Mm. system that then has an output that is the design. So it's used a lot in, like, architecture. Like, a lot of the teachers for these classes are... People who work in architecture right now, um, and yeah, so and you can apply it to a bunch of different stuff. Essentially, it's a skill like working in Photoshop, and you choose how you apply it. So yeah. I'm gonna see if it'll work in the fashion. If not, I'll see if there's some other cool thing I want to do.
3: So. What well, doesn't Yeezy wasn't like one of their most recent shoes computational design?
1: I think they. I think that um, Yeezy uses some of it in fashion. It's definitely in footwear the most like nike uses it a lot yeah so the the program is through a group called design morphine and the guy who started it and like organizes everything is actually a footwear designer at nike so Um, he he helps create all create all of the like interesting textures and patterns for the soles and sort of like concept design stuff essentially whoa yeah
3: that's cool
1: so we'll see have where you, that leads, but <laughs>
4: <laughs> have you seen it apply to clothing though?
1: Um not a lot to clothing. I think the biggest issue with it is you know, if you take a three D render, most three D printed stuff are is more stiff and like hard. We can't like I have seen um there's a designer who uses stuff that's very similar to it. Her name is Iris Van Herpen. She does a lot of like uh really interesting and complex designs that incorporate, like, emerging technologies and stuff. Oh, cool. I can I can send you guys some of her stuff if you want to see. I'd That's love
3: to cool. see. It. Um, So, we the cat's out of the bag. We've got a UX designer and a fashion designer. <laughs> 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 can you guys tell us a little bit about, maybe, okay, maybe give us a, a quick summary of what your major is. Tell us a little bit about it. Maybe Dean this time.
1: Uh, okay. Um, I would say, I don't know. It's 50 50. Half of me says, like, oh, this is, you know, a proper design area mm-hmm. where, you know, like you think about the social impacts of fashion, you know, the environmental impacts of fashion. You design, like, you know, because fashion is identity, it's expression, you know, you're creating mm-hmm. inclusivity. The other half of me is like you're just making stuff look good. So I'm a little I'm a little torn on whether or not fashion is fully designed. I think it's how you apply it, but yeah. That's that's how I would sum up fashion. It's different for yeah. everyone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, UX is I mean, this is a UX podcast. So I have, <laughs> <laughs> there's a little bit of background on it. But I think um, with like the birth of the internet and the birth of technology, UX is just kind of Um, the bridge between developers and users, right? That's like how I like to think of it. So just kind of creating the most streamlined and holistic process within whatever technology you're designing for, for the people that need to use it. Mm -hmm. Right? I think so. You guys have any comments on that?
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a great description.
2: Yeah, I think that's good.
3: Zara wrote these questions, so, you know. (laughs) May or may not be good, depends Um, so what would you guys say to yourself a year ago like a a word of caution if you were to look back on this past year and you could say like hey Dean don't do that thing what would it be
1: I'd probably say hey man (laughs) your your stuff's not that good like relax (laughs) (laughs) you know being, being cocky about the stuff you make isn't everything. So, you know, be open to like new ideas and new people, you know, and don't look down on people you think can't create stuff as cool as you because, you know, they're learning too. Someday they could be your boss. So, yeah, you know, very or true. Have, or they're the one, ones with the cool ideas and you're bringing the 50 50 ideas to them. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I'd probably follow in line with that. And then also, like, um, I probably tell myself to chill a little bit on the workload and not burn out so easily because I was mm. going so like so hard at the beginning and I think it like affected some team dynamics. to be more empathetic maybe within mm. teams, that kind of thing. And then also, that UX design is not just like what your teachers and your peers tell you it is. Like, I would have had no idea that I could have done environmental and spatial design unless I, like, took it upon myself to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Branch out. I think that's
3: a good point. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. branch out.
1: I think that's a good point, too, because I think the past three years, that's kind of what I'm going for is, like, also is, like, you know, past three years I've been defining fashion design as what everyone tells me it is, not the way I want it to be. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good descriptor eating. That's Thanks. good. That's good advice for me right now. Not even
4: for you in the past.
2: I should probably listen to my own my own advice too. But
4: I think that's like the cool part of design too. It's like design thinking. It gets applied differently in every field, but like really at the core, um, it comes down to a few principles. Like the way you think, the way you problem solve, mm-hmm. and then kind of the way you apply that and create something new, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I
1: so. And I think some of the most interesting stuff is where it's like. Someone who usually does something different tries a different field, and then their approach is just different from yeah. that. And they yep, create some crazy stuff.
4: Totally. Yeah. Mm. Taking like an architectural history class right now, and like I swear to God, oh, all, go. the, all the architects <laughs> like are also furniture designers, and their furniture is so nice. But like here at GAD, it's two different things. It's like two different worlds, and like I I don't know how much furniture designers interact with architects but there's like so much similar between the two majors like that people don't realize really yeah like in terms of principles they're very
3: similar oh that is so interesting because like thinking back on art history i feel (laughs) like in like the renaissance like all of the all of the artists were like architects and they were like sculptors or something not like furniture. That's such an interesting pair. Furniture and architecture.
4: In the Renaissance, there were like 10 things. Like Leonardo
3: yeah. DiCaprio was like yeah. no, Caprio, sorry. <laughs>
4: Leonardo <laughs> Da Vinci. DiCaprio was, like, was
3: on the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. Da Vinci was like everything. A mathematician. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Designer.
1: Renaissance man. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I wanna I wanna do some of that too. I'm excited about everything. And that's partly how I met Nico, is I ended up taking a uh furniture design class oh yeah so i would go into the shop and i'd be like hey man
3: can you show me how to cut this thing i you know no literally (laughs) dean walks in first day ever in the shop and is like hey can you like help me on the table saw or something i forget what what it was i think it was a table saw and i was like yeah sure i'll just like watch you and then if you do something wrong i'll let you know and he just like sets it up perfectly and he's like am i good i'm like (laughs) yeah go ahead and then he like makes a perfect (laughs) cut and i'm like what do you like? You're good. What do you want? <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I think
1: I think the table saw was the one I paid attention to the most in class because I was terrified of that. Thing, so. <laughs> As you should be. Yeah. yeah. But it was fun to step outside of fashion design with that class, you know, and try and create some weird stuff. Every now and then, I'd present, and people would be like, "What the hell is this dude thinking?" Like, <laughs> what this, class was this it? is crazy. It was just materials and techniques one with Heisler. Oh, okay.
4: Yeah, Is that the one you create the shaker table in? Like the one product like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have mine over there. What I did was I tried to make it look like the whole table was... You remember... I don't know if you guys did this when you were kids, but in elementary school, Mm -hmm. you used to have these things where we'd get a piece of paper and it was like dotted lines where you cut it out and you cut this thing out and you fold it and then it's like a box or this other form. So I took the like idea of the table and then i like cut notches in it like it was this like cut out thing oh, that you, like cut out yeah or that you like pop out of the plastic and assemble that's cool
3: yeah that was the idea at least so you guys are in very different majors arguably but you guys seem to get along pretty well this is from zara <laughs> <laughs>
2: Do you, think <laughs>
3: do you think there will be a future for UX and fashion
2: to be combined? Ooh, and if you do, what are some ideas? Oh, 100%. I think, I mean, me and D- Dean have talked about this before, but like. Yeah. NUX and product design and, like, IoT system, we make wearables, like, all the time, right? Like, we don't technically have the jurisdiction to, like, be, be, like, deciding what trends are, like, new in wearables and, like, new in footwear. And, like, I even designed, like, insoles the other week. Like, that is completely something (laughs) that would be up to, like, a fashion designer or something like that. So, I think, like, me and him talk a lot about, like, the bridge of technology to fashion, but in terms of, like, actual application, it's already, like, it's already there. It's already mm-hmm. happening.
1: Yeah. Don't don't give too many of our good ideas away, Edie. People right. listening <laughs> to this podcast could just run off. And then in, in 20 years, we'll be sitting at the end of the bar being like, that was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: said
4: um,
2: that on a Flux yeah.
1: podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think what I found with my senior collection, and I've talked to Edie about this some, um, is, you know my approach to my collection was I wanted to incorporate technology. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because of the things I've learned in fashion, I don't know how to actually put the technology in there. You know, I can make clothing that's functional and has zippers and pockets that do stuff, but I think there's a symbiotic relationship that exists out there where UX UX designers and industrial designers will make something. Mm-hmm. And, like, but then, like, people are skeptical of it because it's not, like, in fashion. So, mm. like, you know, I guess there's the engineering side, which I think is really cool. And, like, that's what I want to learn more about is, like, how yeah. to make it actually work. And then, like I said earlier, fashion people make it look pretty and sellable, so.
3: <laughs> is that, like, a thing in in fashion design? Like, if someone... Let's say someone made, like, an amazing piece of fashion or something but they weren't a fashion designer is there like a stigma of like oh but that's not from fashion so
1: no i would say i mean i i don't know someone asked me if i considered myself an outsider in fashion and i said i have no idea because (laughs) i don't really know the thing is i love this stuff that people who aren't in fashion like Mm -hmm. the stuff that they make because the people who are in fashion sorry for any fashion people who are paying attention. And don't, you know, (laughs) if there are prospective fashion students listening, this isn't a diss or anything. But Mm -hmm. people tend to just have a similar approach, you know. Like when you sit in class with everyone and you're around everyone, you know, someone makes something cool. Next project, everyone sort of does something that was somewhat similar to that. So it kind of just drives this, you know, straight line in the direction of, like, where to go. And so... I think when people outside of fashion make fashion, it makes some really cool stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. That's so interesting when you think about because when I think about fashion, it's like individualistic, but in a way where it needs to be, you know like readable for an entire audience or an entire subset of people that would like follow that trend or that brand. But in UX it's all about like short names you know, sans serif, everything is universalized. <laughs> we all have to kind of be within, like, this design language of, like, functionality and usability. But when I see UX projects that, like, step outside of that box and they're using something that you can tell was, like, that designer and they chose to do that, which honestly I think is, like, an overlap of fashion and UX, it mm. almost always, like, hits the mark so much harder because, mm-hmm. like, you can see that that product is, like, standing alone, you know? So.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I agree with that, too. I think, you know, globalization is amazing and like having a global design language is really cool, but at the same time, like it makes it more of like a cookie cutter, you know, if, yeah. if we had to make the perfect shirt for everyone to wear, it would be a gray t-shirt, you know, yeah. and everyone could wear it, but it wouldn't be exciting. So
3: that's a yeah. good point.
4: Yeah, I don't I, I don't mean to just UX designers and I love UX, um, but I feel like it's, e- it's easy to get complacent with UX because I feel there's like a set rules that we're told to follow. But really, um, what we're looking at is the interaction between humans and computers. And sometimes you get a push to interaction. Like it might not be comfortable, but that's also might be because the mental model is not there or whatever the hell it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like that's what fashion kind of reminds us because just change. Like fashion is. In the sense, in the like, literally meaning of the word, it kind of changes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas UX likes to stay kind of like this one thing all the time. I think there's like definitely that to learn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think going back to the question of UX overlapping with fashion, I think there's a very rudimentary UX thing in the sense of like when people go to the store, they aren't just looking for like what's cool, you know? They they like feel stuff. They make it like. You know, it's about the experience of wearing it and how it Mm -hmm. feels and how it makes them feel. So that essentially is like what I see the essence of UX being. So, yeah, I think there's a lot. We need to we need to collab, Edie. We got to we got to make something. (laughs) For real. We should have talked like a year ago. I know, I know.
2: Yeah. Well, it's so funny because I think in UX, like I always think about like Silicon Valley and like we're the best. Like I feel like as much as there's like exclusivity in fashion, like. There's so much like imperial, like hierarchy, like Mm -hmm. stuff, bad word in like UX and like the way that we do it. But like when you really think about it, UX is like a growth from graphic design. Not dissing, I'm sitting next to like my favorite graphic designer right now. (laughs) But like it's like graphic design for a different medium. And then there's going to be a new medium like XR and there's going to be a new UX and like. All these principles are carrying over, but the core of them is that you're designing the experience around it, the experience around a garment, the experience around the store that the garment is in, and we, like, Mm -hmm. attach new buzzwords to them and new design thinking principles, but at its core, it's just, like, really streamlined processes that have carried over, like, throughout time Mm -hmm. that can be applied to anything.
4: Yeah. Yeah. All right. With that, I think me and Nico are going to give you guys a little opportunity to rant. Um what's <laughs> one design trend for any field, not fashion or not UX, um, that you think is stupid and should just like be stopped right away.
2: <laughs> Seeing <Senior> you go first.
1: <laughs> mm. Okay, I would say Okay, one thing that jumped into my mind is like so I know someone who just got a Tesla and I got mm. to sit in it and drive it and You know, it goes really fast, which is nice. But they have this, like, huge tablet in the middle of the car.
3: I like where this is going.
1: And, you know, half of me is like, oh, that's so cool. You know the future. I got a tablet right next to me. And the other half of me is like, why do I have a giant computer monitor? Like, that runs everything, right? If this tablet breaks, I can't, like, start my car. Like, you know. And on top of that, essentially, you know, I'm not allowed to be, like, be talking on the phone, but I can have this enormous <laughs> tablet, you know, next to me. I I don't know. I feel like it just presents a weird thing. It just seems a little excessive, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I think technology to make stuff cool is fun, but technology to make stuff useful is should take priority mm-hmm. in my opinion. And Tesla's yeah. all about cool, so I think they got a little carried away, <laughs> but you know, hats off you, one. <laughs> yeah, That's I hundred percent agree with that.
4: Same. Um, I feel like the car comp uh, the car industry's made a few mistakes in terms of how they use tech, and like especially screens. Um, have, have you guys seen like the new Mustang, um, the new electric Mustang? Yeah. Um, they they're like. They tried to backstab, like, I mean, tried to, like, back, backstab. They have, like, a dial right in the middle of their screen. So, like, you can still change the volume manually, but I'm like, you have one dial, and then it's, like, the rest of the <laughs> <Yeah>. screen. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't, like, it doesn't solve the problem. It's, like, also slower. Like, if I had to change the volume on a screen, it's, like, tap, 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 tap. tap. Yeah. So this is twisting a knob. It, yeah. It's, it's honestly bad UX, but it's also just, like, kind of, like, it, it's so simple. Like, you should have known. Um, I think one of my professors also showed me a video um, where it was like like they added like car, um, keys to like your phone so you can unlock your car through your phone. But like that takes significantly more steps than just having your keys with you in your pocket. Like yeah. pulling it out and then t- tapping once versus like unlocking it, finding the app. Mm-hmm.
2: Just like why? Yeah.
1: I think it's, it's impressive how much unnecessary re-engineering can go into stuff. I, I and I also on the topic of screens and cars, I saw this like concept car. It was either and these are very different car companies. It was either um, Mercedes or Renault, I think. Mm-hmm. But they had this like thing. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think it was just on the um, just on the passenger side, but they essentially had like a hologram projected onto like the windshield right? So you can, like, adjust the... And, like, that was the screen on the windshield. Mm. And, like, that's really cool as the passenger, but, you know, if you're driving, and it's, like, half my, you know, let me see if a school bus <laughs> is coming to the right, and it's just, like, this is what your interior temperature is, I feel like that's, yeah, you know, a little distracting. So
3: I completely agree. I... I, I agree with what you were saying, Dean. Like, the, the tablet in the car is kind of, like, cool, kind of. But I would be super curious to drive one, and I think it would piss me off that, like, everything is <laughs> down here to the right. Yeah. And, like, I'm driving and looking forward. Like, to see my speed, I have to, like, look down. Like, <clears> oh <throat> Yeah. I think the whole screen trend in cars is not not my favorite. It's going downhill.
4: Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think it...
3: It peaked a little while ago, so yeah,
1: it's on the way out now. Yeah,
2: I'm sure Asconio has something to say
4: about this too. Yeah, we need to get <laughs> we need to ask
3: him.
2: Yeah. I've had a full like, literally, this conversation full blown like two and a half hours with him about like dials and cars and like different ones <laughs> for like heat and when they use them for like the gear the gear shift.
1: He yeah, like, yeah, absolutely
2: yeah. hates those. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, Jaguar does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I think Range Rover does it too. Yeah, it's so stupid
2: yeah and it's like completely like super cool completely messing up a mental model that's been Mm -hmm. instated for like years and years and years and i understand like we gotta like disrupt the norm or whatever but like if i'm going to turn down my volume and i shift my car into reverse like yeah (laughs) yeah.
1: i i also hate you know push to start you know i yeah because i love the the like Tactileness of you know I'm changing a gear I'm like turning the ignition and my engine roars like that (laughs) that kind of thing I don't want to just like and then it's like "Mm." yeah and you know like like how Edie mentioned you know I don't want to change gears with the same knob that I use to turn on my oven you know but what trend do you hate Edie? I think I
2: have... (laughs) I think I have two. I think I have one in fashion, but I don't know if I hate it. It's just, like, (laughs) me and you have talked about it, like, the cyberpunk thing. But the first one is, like, the new, just, like, rampant autofill on all over the, like, all over every device for, like, credit card numbers and names and personal information. Mm -hmm. I do, like, I've done two projects now on data and, like, cybersecurity And it's gotten to the point where like you can put your credit card number on one device and it's Mm -hmm. across everything on every website with your IP address just splattered everywhere across the Internet. And it's like super fun and like, you know, autonomous and whatever. But like it is so dangerous. And also it's like taking a huge part of like. Basically, like the impulse in your brain to like buy something. Like, it's taking that whole like consideration of I have to hand you physical money. I have to like swipe my card or take out my card and like making people like super impulsive, which like works out for us as designers always. Like, it's always gonna work out for us. But like, Mm -hmm. in terms of like security, it does like scare me in that way because it's like everywhere. So it's gonna become kind of like I wouldn't be surprised if it became like, oh, you can walk through like you know, a sensor at a store and it's auto-filling your information and you're picking up stuff and walking out and like that kind of thing. And we're just not at like the current like government compliance and security compliance to be doing that with like mass amounts of information. So that's, that's one. <laughs> and then the other one is like, um, and I probably shouldn't mention their name because I applied for an internship there, <laughs> but like...
1: Just say company the- X.
2: <laughs> company <laughs> X, right. The company X Um, like the hype I think like designing like hyper realistic environments in VR like designing Mm. to be like super super realistic is such like a disservice to VR like you are in a third space you're in a space where you can literally put like unicorns in the sky and clouds Mm. underneath my feet and we can do anything and you're designing a conference room with like very hyper realistic photos or like meshes of people that actually exist and like I understand the purpose to, like, develop the technology more and, like, mm-hmm. you know, get better and all this stuff. But, like, with the way VR is kind of moving out and moving into XR and mixed reality, like, I want to see, like, some crazy stuff. Like, do something, mm-hmm. like, crazy if you're going to be building this, like, third environment. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I agree with that. I Like I mentioned Edie, I I got Cyberpunk, recently and i was like so excited for this game for like two years because i thought it would be this like crazy very like i don't know almost like not essentially like futuristic gta which is what it turned out to be but like (laughs) i wanted it to be you know have another level of something Mm -hmm. and like that game would be really cool in vr and i don't want to push our world towards ready player one or anything like that but you know i want to see some crazy stuff I think people need to step outside of the box a little bit.
2: Yeah. And I think just, like, like there's so many... Kind of going back to, like, the screens in the car thing. Like, I think in UX, we, like, try to make everything so, like, streamlined and so fast and so easy that we forget, like, tactile things. Yeah. As much as we can replace them are never, like, going to be replaced. Like, you're never going to be able to feel that, you know, that 3D mesh shirt that you see, like, in the screen or whatever. And so, like... Mm. I think working to those advantages and like trying to understand what can't be supplemented, but what can be, you know, like exaggerated or emphasized would be so much cooler and like such a better output than kind of like the way that industry is moving right now. Totally.
3: Yeah, I agree. It's like, just because, just because something doesn't have to be like that traditional tactile, like doesn't mean you should change it. Like I know a lot of car companies right now, they, they, they like quiet the cabin because obviously you want a quiet cabin, but they quiet it so much that you can't hear the engine, and so they pump in fake audio, and everyone hates it because yeah. it's like you can tell that it's fake. So it's like they created a problem and then solved it, in a, you know. It's yeah. it's a weird and
1: created another problem with their solution to the yeah
3: problem. Yeah.
1: yeah. I I also heard this is something interesting um, that I heard. While I was watching Top Gear. (laughs) Um, But it, and it's not necessarily a design like phobia that I have, but Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting. They were talking about like, you know, in electric cars, the engine doesn't actually make a noise. So, like, they add the whine sound. Mm -hmm. And there was also um, some car company created an electric car and it was so quiet that they had to redesign the side mirrors because. The sound of the airflow over the regular ones, like, when you're on the highway, like, made people uncomfortable. Because, like, that sound was so loud compared to the sounds you're used to hearing in a car, which I Mm -hmm. thought was really interesting.
3: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Is it time for hot takes, Varun? Yeah, I was just about to say that. I don't think I'm allowed to ask the first one because it's about me, apparently.
4: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if Zara and Nico... Or to have a fight in a gladiator ring, who would you think, who do you think would win? <laughs> and it says, be honest. And Sara wrote that, so I think she's rooting for herself.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> be honest if it isn't her either. Yeah.
2: <laughs> True. This is like a test of, like, who, like, what you guys would do under pressure, you know what I'm saying? Like, how uh-huh. crazy you would go.
1: Well, I, yeah, I think it depends on the atmosphere around the fight, too, you know. I like are we talking first blood to the death? Because that that changes everything. Yeah.
3: Mm. To the death. Till the end. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's what it is, yeah.
2: I think okay. I think Zara would win. Only because I think Nico would have her in the first half. Like Mm -hmm. physically, mentally, would outwit her, (laughs) like, you know, like would probably like get a few good hits in. But I think Nico (laughs) and not... Coming at my best friend at all right now. <laughs> but literally, like, I think, like, Nico would not be able to finish the job. Like, I think he would look in Zara's eyes and be like, oh, you poor baby. And, like, would not be agree. able to kill her. Yeah. I kind of agree. And I like, think, like, yeah. She's my friend. Why would I kill her? <laughs> and I know for a fact Zara would, like, turn around, flip move you, stab you in the heart. Like, <laughs> like straight no. up. Yeah. Like, in that scenario, like, I think she'd want to. <laughs> yeah. I think she could. <laughs> For sure. yeah, Nico would have
4: to go into the fight knowing that Zara would do that.
2: Yeah.
4: To win. Yeah. Well, now I know. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if it actually happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a really tough call. Okay. Don't don't hate me, Zara. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Nico. Just because I I feel like I feel like Zara would get in the ring, and I think I I agree with uh, Edie. Nico, you'd really have to take advantage of the first half, because for the first half, Zara would be like, oh, I can't do it. (laughs) it." Like, she wouldn't fully accept, like, I'm in a fight to the death. You know, you would just have to fully come to terms and just, like, go at her. And then Uh you'd be able to take her, you know. But I think she would just be a little too, like, "Ah, I can't can't be in this situation. I don't want to hurt anyone. Before she, like, realizes there's no other way out and she's got to commit, so you have to take... No, a really that was a really good Zara impression.
4: Yeah, <laughs> It <right>. really
3: was. <laughs> I'm, I'm around her a lot, so I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Well, Zara, if you're listening, I hope that was the answer you were looking for. Yeah. If not, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, have you... Uh, let me ask, have you guys listened to the podcast before? Mm-hmm. Okay. I
1: actually haven't. Okay, haven't.
3: well, then, then this question is new for you, Dean. Okay. So... I'm going to put you in a scenario. You're flying to Asia to go bird watching with your best bud, Edie. This is Dean. And for Edie, it's Dean. The plane crash lands, and you guys parachute onto a desert island. There's literally nothing on this island. And weeks go by. You haven't eaten anything. And you haven't found clean drinking water. And you've been surviving on your own pee. So let's say Dean gives Edie permission to eat him first, would you eat them? If so, how would you cook them? What vegetables or sauce would you have on the side? And would you offer the same?
2: So I'm going first. Then. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think to answer the last question first, okay. I'd rather Dean eat me than me eat him. So I oh. think if this was real life, I would have been like, you can eat me, bud. Go off. You know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of thing. That's not freeze my brain. <laughs> yeah, just remember. Yeah. Just keep it in a little lockbox. But I think, okay, yes, I would eat Dean for sure. If I'm living off my own pee at that point, like, you know, there's nothing stopping me.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think you get much nourishment. I'm mostly <laughs> bone.
2: <laughs> you can eat bone marrow, can't you? I don't have a lot of meat, so... <laughs> It'll be good. I'll eat your brain. There's a lot yeah. in there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I would definitely do it like, um, sashimi style, you know, like raw cuts, but like only the good stuff that's not like poisonous.
3: Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I want to really taste it if I'm going to eat my friend, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And then if he's claims to not have enough meat, so I would definitely like crack his bones open, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah full-fledged i'm so
1: su- i'm surprisingly not uncomfortable at hearing how you would dismember me <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i mean Kinda i think poetic
2: you know,
1: yeah yeah i i appreciate i hope i would make a good meal for you if you, <laughs> if you ever needed me to be a meal for you mm-hmm. um i think i think it would have to be like you know one of us dies of natural co- like edie dies of natural mm. causes and then i have permission to eat her like i'm not gonna kill her just to mm-hmm. hear, you know that's a little too much but I think if I had to eat Edie, I would either, like, you know, slow roaster on a spit for a really long time. And then, assuming I had, like, I could find some, like, berries or something, you know, make a nice, like, berry sauce. Oh. Or even, like, you know, a red wine reduction sauce. But if I had red wine, it probably would have been, we probably would have drank it by the time it came to this, so. (laughs) I'm going to say we don't have it. And then maybe some, like, I don't know, I like mashed potatoes, you know? Lightly, some lightly salted ED over mashed potatoes covered in
3: berry sauce. Taking your time with it. (laughs) I love that.
2: Sounds lovely. I wouldn't want to go out any other way. Yeah. (laughs) I'll have to practice
1: my cooking skills so I can. Mm. Yeah, You know, do it make justice. Sure, yeah, do it justice. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. We can make a pact right now that when yeah. we die, okay. <laughs> we will eat each other.
4: Our <laughs> um, next question is, what's your favorite drink currently? And would you recommend it to a friend?
3: Any kind of drink. Uh, alcoholic
4: or non-alcoholic? Any type of drink.
3: Any. Both, even, if you want to do two.
1: Okay, I have a drink to recommend to you guys okay i don't know if you've had it before it's this french like orange soda thing it's called orangina it's actually actually it's from um oh what's it called i'm gonna have to think of it algeria it's from algeria it's oh. like a french algerian soda thing it is really good i used to drink it when i was a kid i saw it in a store today and that is my non-alcoholic recommendation.
3: Where where do you get it? Like, what stores can you get it from?
1: Um, I, They definitely have it at Whole Foods. I think they have it at Parker's every now and then, if you check mm. in the drink section. Like, near the juices. Like, halfway between the juices and the soda. That's around where it falls. And there's a new place on Liberty Street. I think it's called, like, Franklin's or something. It's a cafe. It's, like, half underground next to the public they have it there. Oh yeah, in fridge,
3: yeah. It's very good. I'm actually yeah. next time I'm at Whole Foods,
2: I'm going to get that.
3: Let's yeah. See. Check it out.
2: And then I would probably say um, this one I haven't had in a while. So it like made me think of it. But it's called Malta India and it's like a pretty popular drink like in Latin America. It's, you know, it's kind of it's kind of bumping. <laughs> My roommate just said he hates it. But um, <laughs> uh i really like it it's really good um it's kind of like a thicker it's non-alcoholic but it's like it's really good yeah and you can get it um probably not in savannah honestly because they don't have like a great selection of like latin american things here Mm -hmm. to what i've found but um like in chicago i can find it at any corner store so
3: what's it made out of
2: I have no idea, but I know that it's, like, 500 calories a bottle. Like, it's, like, super, super, oh. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's, like, it's not, like, super sugary or anything. Like, it kind of tastes like non-alcoholic beer and, like, root beer had a, a nice little baby. And it's, like, uh-huh. not too thick or anything, but it's, like, it's really good for, like, you know, a heavier meal or something like that. Yeah. Interesting.
1: I have okay. to check Amazon for some of that. Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Super good.
3: Okay, I'm excited about this next question. Um, it's only for Dean, unfortunately, but <laughs> Dean, apparently you love F1. I love F1 as well. Who do you think will win world championship for F1 this year?
1: Ah, uh, I'm feeling my brain tells me Hamilton. My mm-hmm. gut tells me Verstappen. Okay. Yeah. What but does your heart tell you? My heart tells me, <laughs> my <laughs> gut tells me Verstappen, my head tells me Hamilton, and my heart tells me Perez. I oh. really want Perez to show up max and just, like, blow everyone away. Because, like, he's getting kind of old, you know? Early 30s, he's, oh, like, 30, he? 31. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a season, seasoned veteran, hasn't been on, like, you know, a championship contending team in a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping he just, like,
3: comes out of nowhere and just, like, Shows everyone up. I actually was talking to two people about F1 at Gulfstream. And this one guy is like... I was talking to him about Perez or Checo, as he's known. Yeah, Checo. Um, I I don't know why I was talking about him. But I was talking about him and he was like, oh... Like, I saw him at a New Year's Eve party. Like, here he is. And I was like, <laughs> you just saw this, like, celebrity at a New Year's Eve party. And you just, like, took a picture. That's so cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Dang. He was, like, I, he's really short.
1: <laughs> yeah. I also liked Alex Albon a lot. If you know mm. who that is. Yeah, yeah. I I thought this season he should have at least been on Alpha Tauri. instead of... He's, like, a backup driver. Or he's driving a GT car now. I'm not entirely sure, but... What did yeah. you
3: think of him last
1: year? I like I liked him on Red Bull. You know, I think they kind of threw him into the seat really quick. And they were like, all right, get to grips. And they had, you know, Red Bull has this weird expectation now because of, you know, Verstappen came yeah. in. He was, like, the youngest ever. Instantly was, like, contend. Super you know. Yeah. yeah. Putting up, like, you know, he was, like, creating... Competitiveness, essentially, and now they just expect like all of these other kids to just like get in a seat and be fine. Yeah. But, you know, I think if they had like been more patient with them and like sort of worked them in, maybe put them on AlphaTauri before Red Bull, give them yeah. a little bit of experience in a seat. I don't know, but <sighs> there's just so many people who I love in Formula One, but there's not enough seats for all of them. So. That's true. Yeah, Raikkonen is my favorite though. I had to pick one. He's still in there. Yeah, he is. Still oh, hanging on. Back well, he's of the not pack. Hanging but. On.
3: he's he's <laughs>
1: dominating
3: back there. He's great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what do you what do you think though? Who do you think's going to win?
3: I would basically agree. Yeah. You know, okay. Lewis is probably going to win. I think this year there's a good chance that maybe something will happen, but I think next year there's a better chance. Yeah. Cuz there's like these crazy changes happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I would basically agree with what you said I think maybe um my heart would maybe go to like I don't know someone on McLaren that'd be yeah. awesome Ferrari Lant- that'd be awesome
1: yeah are you are you a Lando fan oh McLaren yeah, guy for sure yeah yeah okay I like him too I was a little I was a little 50 50 on him at first but I, I've grown to like him you know what my dream
3: would be it would be George Russell Goes to Mercedes, and then he wins like 10 years in a row. That would be my dream. Yeah, that would
1: be impressive. I I think the thing that I want more than anything, though, is like, you know, I don't love a single driver, except for Kimi Raikkonen, mm-hmm. enough for me to be like, I want them to just like destroy everyone. I want yeah. it to be like, there's like four people neck and neck every every race and you don't know who's going to win and you're on the edge of your seat and it comes down to the last race, Like yeah, that's what I want. That'd be awesome.
3: Okay. Sorry, y'all. F1 talk. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Anyways, last question. Hit him up, Faroon. Let's hear it. Alright. This one's a little goofy, but how do you put on your shoes and socks? Is it
4: sock, sock, shoe, shoe? Or is it sock, shoe, sock, shoe?
2: <laughs> um... Sock sock shoe shoe and if you do it the other way, you are a certified psychopath. That's (laughs) crazy. I don't that's like I have no idea how you live your life.
3: (laughs) I feel like someone said that before, Vroom. They said like that same thing. Like if you do it the other way, you're a psychopath. (laughs) I think it was me actually. I agree with (laughs) (laughs)
4: that. Yeah. That's funny. It's like extremely
2: chaotic.
1: It's it's weird because now that you mention it, I think when I was taking my shoes off earlier today, I did shoe sock shoe sock, like Uh you know an anomaly. I never do that. It's always shoe (laughs) shoe sock sock, but I've definitely caught myself doing weird dressing habits before like that. So I don't know, but I'm I'm a sock sock shoe shoe man. Yeah, glad we're
3: all on the same page. Yeah,
1: exactly. Good.
2: Should probably go see someone about those anomalies, you know? <laughs> get, yes. get it all straightened out. <laughs> yeah, it, if,
1: if one of us had answered sock shoe, sock shoe, would you have edited us out of the yeah, podcast? We just, <laughs> yeah, we cut that. <laughs>
3: okay, well, that's all the questions we have for you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on a, a late Sunday night. Very odd. Recording time for us, but I'm glad we made it work.
0: Thank Mm. you for having us. This was fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Another great episode. I loved hearing of what Edie and Dean had to say. But before ending this week's episode, I have a few announcements to share with you. But first things first, make sure to follow us on our Instagram, at scadflux, and join our Discord, which you can find on our website at www.scadflux.com. Again, that's scadflux.com. So I have two announcements for you. Uh, First things first. Well, the first announcement is that I hope you guys enjoyed Qubits so far. The last Qubits of the quarter is Figma Part 2 Prototyping. Last time we went over how to make gorgeous static designs, but now we're going to teach you how to make those screens interactive, share them, and test them out with users. We'll be talking about auto animate, easing curves, and the new interactive component features slated to release later this year. This event will take place around next week, so be on the lookout for more info. The next announcement is that we have exciting mentorship event coming in week eight this quarter i know that we've mentioned it in the past before this will be a perfect time for you guys to wind down chill relax with your mentors mentees and friends just as the quarter is about to get a little busy so trust me the event will be super super fun and we will post more details on it very very soon As always, we want to thank all of the people who have made this podcast happen. Thanks to Josh Wiley for helping us edit and produce this podcast, as well as making our awesome music. Thanks to the whole production team, and of course, our wonderful, beautiful, and creative listeners. Feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms and give feedback. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time.